Today on the show, we're discussing the streaming wars. And shocking moments behind the scenes. And all the news in betweens. This is Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. What's up, Insomniacs? Welcome to yet another episode of Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep, brought to you by Bucket of Wind. I'm Cameron, and with me in studio, as always, is... Mason, what's going on, everyone? And Matt, we're back again. And now we're going to actually talk about a few different things. First is... What happened to Hulu, Uncharted the movie, and a little bit more. I'm pretty excited. Let's get right into the first topic because this is kind of a hot button news issue right now in the streaming community. I'm really excited. You're pretty excited? I'm really excited. (laughs) Wow. What the hell happened to Hulu? We went to bed one day with Hulu being a premier streaming service, contending with Netflix, updating recent TV shows with new episodes... User-friendly interface, and then you woke very, up, and what very happened? Good interface. What happened? You hey, woke up. I, I got up the next day. I actually called Hulu to ask them <laughs> if there was something wrong with their service. No, What's seriously. wrong with my so color box? I, I called them. I called them, and I said, "What's going on, guys? Because it doesn't look the same. The content's gone. It looks like it's a half-written program, and it and it comes off terribly, and you can't find anything on it." So he turns around. This is the representative of Hulu. Tribes blaming my Roku box. He turns around. And tries blaming the Roku box, saying, oh, well, that's the format that they laid out for us. Bologna sandwiches. Yeah, because you know what? Everybody knows that's just a delivery device, and you provide the content. It's purely the platform's programming as soon as you enter into the application on the Absolutely. Roku. So basically, the streaming wars have begun. Yes. Content creators are now beginning to create their own streaming services and they're ripping down the content from the other streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu. And not just streaming services. We're talking about networks. Yes. Entire networks. CBS <clears throat> pulled all of their shit off Hulu. All of it. All and of it. And that's what caused this terrible reprogramming of their uh, interface. Yeah. So they could limit what you were searching for because that way you wouldn't be able to see exactly Hey, all the shows are gone. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> the, the scary part is about the whole thing is you're going to look for the programs you love and they're no longer here. But we knew this was coming because about 18 months ago, they talked about Star Trek being released on the streaming service provided by CBS, their own pilot program to release their own content. And we knew when that was going to happen. All this was going to break down. And I believe if you go to our Netflix episode where we talked about the upcoming movies, we talked about this. And we alluded to how all these streaming services were purportedly going to come out later this year. Yes. Over the next two years. And that was, we, we did it about six months ago. And now we're starting to see the effect. And this was the first... The Bull- first casualty yeah, of the Bull- streaming wars, yeah, and which is crazy. Which CBS, which is a hallmark market in sitcoms and dramas, we're talking about Big Bang, Bang Theory, Theory, Blue uh, Bloods, Blue Bloods, Rules of Engagement, and now their premier new service. And what they did is they got all the fanboys, including me, wanting to watch Star Trek. Their on new CBS. Star Trek show, Star Trek Discovery, and it's now dropped. It's actually two episodes are down, and the new Young Sheldon, which is another great show, and the Big Bang Theory. You're going to be able to see all their number one sitcoms now are on 
CBS and if, and if you think Hulu is some separated entity, they're a purely no. streaming service, they're owned by... Partially owned. Partially owned, partially I will owned. say, by Fox and its parent companies. And you can tell that because that's the one thing when you're actually thumbing through their guide, you can actually see the Fox shows coming <laughs> up. And it's literally the only thing. And it, and it's, it's sad to say because Hulu just got nominated for, I don't know, 10 Emmys from Handmaiden's Tale. Um, and... A ton of great content. Outstanding creative content yes. they're producing. Not just old reruns no. of shows that we know from networks. It's and, also and scary because Disney is planning on launching their own <clears throat> streaming service as well. Here and they comes. own like everything. I was going to allude to this. This is the next big stream wars casualty. Yes. Because if you look on Netflix, some of the most viewed kids programs are exclusively Disney. All of it. We're talking Moana. They have all the princess movies on there for kids to watch. And it's all going to get pulled. And it's going to look like a barren desert. When they pulls and this was released at D twenty six, I believe, yes. which is like the Disney Comic Con. Exactly, it was their big flagship thing. They're like, oh my god, because even though they were being paid licensing by Netflix, it dwarfs the amount that they would be able to make of having their own exclusive streaming service. Because sure. you remember, Disney owns a lot of the households for children, absolutely, especially in program. every household for children. Look at what happened with Frozen. I mean, how many uh, like this whole generation of young girls? Not only that. With Frozen? How many shows did you guys watch when you were kids? Jake and Josh? And oh, I mean, that's, that's why these streaming services are so influential. They're yes. absolutely gargantuan. I mean, if you look at the numbers, more than one in five households are now cutting the cutting the cord with cable companies. You know what I mean? Because streaming is simply a better option. I mean, 1.1 million people in this last year have quit their cable subscriptions. 25% of the homes will be in this country will be without cable by the end of the year. I mean, if you like live TV at this point, it makes more sense to get Sling than to get anything else. And Hulu did have that option, of course, for a lot more money. Yeah. They're offering you live TV is also an option for content, which is crazy. And you know, Add a lot more money, sorry. And that, that begs the question, is Hulu in its new... Uh, less value heavy form worth the money yes that that starts to beg the question because we're going to enter an age in the stream wars after all the casualties have been had and all the stream services are up and running we're talking about the dc streaming service the disney streaming service cbs nbc all these companies we're talking about viacom making its own streaming service well the scary part is think about it everybody is roughly between eight to twelve dollars so what's going to happen is you're going to have people jumping from one month to another, from one service to another to keep up with content because there's no contracts, there's nothing involved, and everything seems to be going from one to another. Uh, and so what's happening is if you don't like what's going on with this now, then you're going to jump to another service later on in a month or two because there's no yearly contracts. And that and that's so true. Like what hap- what's going to happen is you're going to have a house a family meeting. Yeah. And your dad's going to pick the two streaming services he wants. Your mom's going to pick the two they want. And then they'll probably throw it to the kids. Which one do you want? Because well, And it's going to probably... Think about it. That's what we do now. And exactly. And that's pro- the funny part is, even though it's in kind of a rough form now with what families are doing, you know, because you kind of have three big streaming services, Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu. Now you're going to have a bunch of separate ones. And the funny part is, it's almost like a meta-digital company. Think about it. Because it's going to roughly... Uh, approximates the value that you're paying for live TV now. You know, seventy to hundred dollars. And it's all about content. Because remember, uh, what mm. we did is we were talking about this earlier today. Because I have a younger son, and I said, "What shows do you like to watch?" He goes, "I miss watching SpongeBob." So I actually had to Google find out where it's going to be, and it's going to be on Amazon, guys. So Amazon's going to buy exactly what content it wants, 
And and that's what it did. It turned around and it went and got SpongeBob. So now you we already have Amazon Prime and we like Games of Thrones and a couple of the other shows, Bowlers and what's the other guy's name with the glasses? He does the content. Uh, oh, John Oliver. John Oliver. Tonight. Yes. So uh, we got a deal on, mm-hmm. on HBO Go and we do use Netflix and Hulu. But so now you're going to wonder about Hulu. All of these other companies are creating streaming platforms and they're all going to charge the consumer to utilize said platform. So, bucks. so my question exact- is to you, is this better or worse for the the consumer? I think it's worse because you're going to have what what the it's going to run counter to the exact reason why everyone was unplugging in the first place is that it was costing families so much, almost as much as their phones mm-hmm. to get TV right to their homes. So they thought, why not? Just pay like the nine ninety nine for Netflix each month and have a ton of shows for me and my family to watch. Okay. Now you're gonna live in an age where you have but to go my, here to watch this one show you like, over here to watch another. Well, why don't you do it? My counter one? to you is: Won't streaming services have to reduce their monthly prices because there will be there'll simply be less shows available on them? You know what I mean? It depends. On if they whether, lose a third of their shows and you have to get another streaming service, won't they adjust? Or the consumer will adjust to paying more like they have in the past. (laughs) Remember, TV was around when it was expensive for a long time. You know what you do? This is what you do. I'll tell you what you do. What you'll do is you'll you'll opt for four now, is what we do. Yeah. And then when the seasons end, you're gonna flip from the four you're using now to the to four different streaming services because they're month to month. That is, and then you're gonna watch all the content on the four you weren't receiving Just in four months it. and binge that. And then when your a new content comes out, you'll flip back. So you're you're talking about roughly forty dollars a month, which still beats. Ask somebody what's the, what they're paying for cable. It's a hundred to a hundred and sixty dollars a Ridiculous. month. Actually, so you're still gonna be a winner. You're still gonna be a winner. I actually didn't think. And about if you that. if you do the math for for that scenario laid out, which makes complete sense, streaming companies are losing money if they do that. No, because the the deal is they're. I Instead think they realize every that single cable, month, you're cable is gone. Is, cable's going. You even said in the beginning how many are cutting the cord. Eventually, everybody's gonna go to streaming. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL now on Thursday nights is carrying Amazon football games. That's a testament and to how big it is. It is, and but, so you can catch all the content everywhere if you just want to go look for it. Mm-hmm. But that like begs the question: how are we, how are we gonna work out? How are the networks gonna mitigate them losing an influx of users and gaining them with the seasons? They'll have to offer more and better options. And I think that's true because like especially with one like HBO Go, where a lot of its popular shows are in season at the same time, yeah, it makes total sense. Why not I just go there, binge on the back catalog while I'm watching these new shows that are coming out, and then flip them to the curb flip. once the eight weeks of Game of Thrones are exactly. Over. And that's what we'll end up all end up doing. Well, well, like I said, we'll watch four streaming services for roughly twelve bucks a month, and then we'll flip to four. But that'll probably lead to companies uh, charging contracts, services, service or charges, because that's what that's what I, that's, that's what, what I was cable trying companies to... had to do to ensure that they wouldn't just get undercut by lower cable. Companies. We'll put it this way: I think it'll be pretty good because if I'm only paying forty dollars, I'll take a few years of forty dollars a month. Instead of $160, which is what I was paying for the past decade or two. That's exactly what I was trying to get at before. If if companies know that you're only going to be with them for two or three months and then change all. all of their content and switch away, they're going to lose money in the long run because they're not getting you to pay month after month. So they're going to... They're gonna... Yeah, but what you're not banking on is the advertising dollars. 
what advertising like a lot of these net there's two options if you switch run. away no there's two options one's with commercials for oh, eight dollars and for twelve dollars and they all are like that just oh, about netflix all. does have that too and they have see exactly. we don't know because we're jaded we have premium netflix yeah. and hulu Wait. I'm popping my collar right now. Oh yeah, I don't even. I haven't even noticed ads on yeah, Netflix because, because I don't get them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag big baller brand. So what you do is you just oh. you, you limit the content by uh, whether it's commercial free or with commercials, and you pay for the difference in the option, and then they subsidize their dollars through commercial and retail prices, and that's what they're currently doing. But you have to remember, they're not the only ones jumping in. We talked in an earlier podcast. Who's spending a billion dollars next year for content and to develop their own shows? Apple. Apple's jumping in too. And when Apple jumps into a market, it's a real threat. Uh-oh. You saw... How, All when, the money. When their Apple Watches launched, how many jokes they received. Now, I look around, everyone's wearing Apple You betcha. Watches. I want or Apple some Watch. variant of smartwatch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. They are already in a bidding war between themselves and Amazon for the James Bond. James Bond just comes up on the market at the end of this year. In other words, the main production company still holds the rights. But if you want to make the movies and pay for their character and and all the world or the universe known as James Bond, you pay them the money and then you make the movies based off their, their characters because you pay them up front for the rental fee, basically. And then you make your movies and then you put your content and you know out on your universe and in, and in the theaters. Now, here's here's my question. I get that cinephiles like us will switch from different switch streaming services back and forth and play that constant exactly. game of Red Rover. But the no. question is, is the average no. American family, the person Excellent who's working point. two jobs and then comes home and passes out on the couch, are they going to be the no. ones who are switching back constantly, especially dealing with customer service? Because when you do switch from Netflix, you have to call them or email them Cancel. and say, I'm canceling, don't hit my account again, I'm done. Yes, you do. And that's what happened because I and talked then you to have people. To re-sign work. up, and then I think we're counting on those people for Netflix not to adjust their prices or make you join a contract. Well, that's what my fear is right there—the contract thing. Because that's what is my is my biggest fear. We're we're gonna hold you to six. Exactly. What three, if they start to hold you six, to six months? Then you have Twelve contracting fees, servicing yes. fees. You could have. Welcome to the mob. Yeah. But but that's eventually what's coming because you have all these people and spending all their monies. Are great for streaming services and businesses. Oh yeah, we've seen that with phones from and a business cable perspective. In the past. Yes. It just it just makes things cable muddier. companies they love that crap. And then you see all these streaming the services and ISPs attacking net neutrality. So then you could possibly have people paying yes. speed fees. Well, that was Netflix my next video. topic because that's the next problem we're going to have. It's because when you're doing this much HD and 4K streaming, you're talking about data. And when you talk about data, you're talking about internet neutrality, which means simply if I own the waves, I control how much content and how fast you're going to get it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem we're getting to because – when it comes to internet, we're lagging behind a lot of countries. Sure. We're talking about in Sweden where they have almost gigabit internet everywhere. That's Granted, it's the size of one state. But doesn't matter. So, much, so many dream. of our ISPs have these. It's, it's possible, but the man is holding us down. Especially in rural communities, we have like these monopolies and duopolies. Yeah. controlling the internet so they have no incentive to raise the speed it's literally like the mob where you live <laughs> determines who picks up your garbage i know we you were no we option. were a street down from getting bright house yes yes which would have given us much better internet here not when we're not going to reveal who we have but we will just say yes <laughs> and i would have been much happier with a different service but 
It doesn't matter. It goes by your zip code, goes by what street you're on, and you don't have an option. And Netflix, Fuck you, pay me. Netflix has actually made a move with lobbyists before in the past trying to get net neutrality shifted. Yes. And to slow down streaming other streaming services so that they could pay Google so that their streaming services wouldn't get throttled. Exactly. And they're all trying to do that. They're all trying to get an edge so their service streams better, so they provide better service, so it appears they're providing better service, so you want to pay for their content more. So maybe not even the Red Rovering will happen. We'll actually have a literal stream war in which they compete for being the best platform for streaming in general. Well, well, when the streaming services begin to compete with one another, that's when the consumer really starts to win because that drives prices down and it and encourages companies has to be so compelling. Exactly. It, exactly. Is. it, it is. encourages companies to provide a better product. Well, not only that, I see that's the beauty of capitalism. We are living in a better age because what's happening now is we talked about this earlier today when we were we were going to get something to eat because right now the average uh, person, uh, the guy sitting behind the desk in, in, in the studio sees or hears 500 pitches, four to 500 pitches per season. Out of that, he, he contracts 100 scripts to be made. Out of those, 20, 20 pilots are made. Out of those 20, two, two actually click. After three years, both or maybe, maybe one makes it. But think about this. Now, it's just not ABC, CBS, NBC. Like when I was a kid, there were three channels and then you could suck it. Now you have <laughs> all these different networks, all these different providers looking because it's cheaper to provide their own content than rent somebody else's. And then you got to deal with, well, I'm taking my shit back because I want to start my own streaming service. Absolutely. Now, the... You don't want to make my pilot? I'll go see if somebody else wants to make my pilot. Because if I can get it made someplace else, it really is providing us with a ton of content. Complete autonomy over what we consume. Yes. And you have the ability to go out there and find it. But it's like Mason said. Exactly. Uh, this is great for people who are savvy in the ability to, to, to provide their own service themselves and and flip things around to what they want to view but if you're if you're you're incapable of doing that like i work with people going screw that i'm just going to stay with cable yeah and that's the problem well they're missing out you they know? are going to miss out and and as well far those as... are like the people who wanted to stay with flip phones Oops. when we're all switching to iphones you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah it'll become an outdated <laughs> thing that's yes. truly what's no, happened no, it's true people yeah. knock netflix we were amongst those people you know what i mean oh yeah we were like netflix just has four-year-old shows and then come like Two or three years ago, we changed our tune. Spending we six, saw that we were on the wrong side of the opinion. Spending $6 billion on content. Well, you know, with all these channels, the market changes too. Like back when you said there were only three channels, three. it was not uncommon for a show to have 30 million concurrent viewers because there yes. are only three channels. Now, if a show has 2 million concurrent viewers, oh my God, it's, it's a roof. gigantic hit. Huge gigantic hit. Gigantic hit. Put it this like, way. They talked about when Game of Thrones had 13 million it was like mind-blowing The average show today, somebody was telling – not telling me. I always do that. I'm sorry. What I was reading was about they average about 500,000 views. That's crazy. Now, well, it's crazy. But here, think about this, okay? I was listening to a podcast. You know how many views this one podcast has? 500,000 per podcast. Per episode. Per episode. Just imagine how many, get the, how many they get per month. Yeah. That's and, and that's the crazy part because – Again, you're talking the big hits, friends in those days. You're talking about 30 million viewers. People had no idea. Now the numbers, 
They're happy if it's a half a million to a million viewers per episode. One thing that really does worry me, though, about all these different streaming services is exclusivity of a backlog of content. You know what I mean? No. What do you mean? Like, they have exclusive streaming rights to their content. Absolutely. And now there's so many varied sources. So you're not... It might not get to Disney. The point. It might get not to the, Disney. I'm Disney saying, owns all the shit. It eventually might get to the point though where it's not just forty dollars. You see what I'm saying? Oh no, yes. If it divides up, it could literally get to the prices of cable, and then if they introduce contracts, well, it could be just as restrictive as cable. Well, no, I, but I, then I, I truly feel like another streaming service will will sprout sprout up. Yeah, but they can screw you because exactly. it's just like uh, it's just like an attic. I want my coke. I want my coke. I want my coke. Now, what happened here with CBS? I'm a Star Star Trek fan. Okay, my only way to get my fix, no matter what happens, is to go to CBS now. If, if they could literally, and I won't pay it, but there are some Star Trek fans out there, they're going to pay. You, if it was $20 to watch an episode, I'm telling you right now, there's there people, people out there, Trekkies, that would pay $20 per episode. $20 per episode. Per episode. To watch it, and, and a 26-episode season, they would pay it. Um, yeah, I mean, if that chick wears her fucking... Uh, Trekkie uniform to a court She's hearing. in. It'd have been fifty dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say she'll you could have charged her whatever you wanted. She'd be watching. She'll Star have to right her now. savings. It's totally true, but that's really what's going on. And I didn't notice that. And just happened this past week. Hulu changed everything, and that's what's going on. <laughs> Hashtag stream wars. Send it out. Let the people know we're heralding the streaming. Either it's a streaming revolution or a streaming apocalypse. Let us Who know knows? what you think. Only it's streaming wars. And, and we're not going to... And it's going to pan out over the next three years. Because it, they're already started pulling content off Netflix, meaning Disney, meaning Marvel, uh, meaning all Disney products, all Disney cartoons, all Disney movies, all Star Wars. Hello, all you Star Wars freaks out there like me, it's all being going to be pulled off. I mean, you can still watch Rogue One on Netflix. Enjoy watched, it while you can. Yeah, I watched it again yesterday for the 18th time. But hey, I'm not you know, <laughs> too over the top. But I watched it again, and I'm telling you right now, what's going to happen is, because first they tried saying, well, it's just going to be our cartoons and our other stuff. Not anymore. They're going to pull it all. You watch. Yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, I just... If you're an IP lawyer, this is a good time to be alive. You know what I mean? Because you're going to see a flurry of like litigation and legislation come. Because they're going to be hella suits filed across lines. My thing is, you just pick four, pick four from each each service, and then flip them every three months. Binge on the content, and then flip back in three months again. Yes. So our next topic yes. is very very exciting for any of our listeners who enjoy video games. An Uncharted movie is going to be made. Question mark? Question mark? As Cameron would say. <laughs> I, am, I am... Can I just gush about this Yeah, go ahead. Because I know I you've been waiting to. Yes. I am a huge fan of the Uncharted series. I got the Nathan Drake collection about a year ago. I played through all three games. And I can tell you... Oh, well, I didn't play through the Thieves and the fourth game in the series. <laughs> but I can tell you that this is one of the most thematic video games I have ever experienced. It was half movie, half a video game in itself. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just extremely enjoyable. Un unfortunately, I was one of those people that were uh, game controller challenged. I tried playing this game multiple times and I couldn't get into it. But if you're if you're is, a gamer, it's supposed to be fantastic. I mean, this is Naughty Dog's masterpiece. The studio that made the game. Yeah. 
they've been working so long to develop storylines like this, and you saw it in their new zombie game, The Last of Us. Yes. Mason knows about it. I prefer Last of Us to Uncharted, but I can, I can it was appreciate cons- Uncharted. Last of Us was For your horror fan. Yeah. Makes sense. If you're a huge Indiana Jones fan like yes. me, the Nathan Drake and Uncharted series is like Indiana Jones on steroids. Well, that's how they're building the Uncharted movie, the new millennial Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. And that's exactly because if you watch it, it's Great a complete analogy. homage to Indiana Jones. Yes. Tricks and traps and booby trap lairs that you're going into, investigating deep lines of history that are mysterious. But the problem is, the problem arises, right? When you adapt a video game to a film. One example of this that I wanted to talk about, you guys may know about it. We liked the movie, but we're not fans of the video games. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't played them. Is the Hitman movies. Oh, I love the movies. Well, okay. That's the thing. There are two that I really If you've played the video... Hitman 47 and the original Hitman. Here's the thing. Timothy Olyphant. If you played the video game, everyone who's like diehard fans of the video game hated the movie. Oh, really? Because it ran completely... It completely blew off the lore of Hitman. It used the backstory to basically justify an action movie. Okay, well, I... I agree with what you're saying. Most people who are hardcore into the game didn't particularly enjoy the movie, but I enjoyed Hitman Absolution a great deal. But I can realize that it's a separate entity. I mean, I know they're connected. That's the whole thing. But I can enjoy both. You know what I mean? I can but, leave. I can leave the story the with thing. the game, and then we're I can. We're talking about like how we. <laughs> then I can go into the theater and be like, okay, now I'm watching a Hitman movie, and I can enjoy that too. I know, but are you the? Are you a diehard Hitman fan? No, are you? Exactly. Are we you? were like we were talking about on our DC Everything podcast. Yeah. Uh, we are diehard DC fans. And we Didn't nit- realize it. And you we are. nitpick the littlest you things. Are. You know what you I mean? Are. Didn't realize it. So I'm saying Cameron didn't take a breath as the whole a diehard, podcast. <laughs> we started, he was like, <gasps> I just talked. As a diehard fan of the Uncharted games, I worry that a lot of its personality, its wit, because you have to think these things were literally written in scripts yeah, before but they were acting. The thing is, okay. This is where I'm going to disagree with a lot of people. You can say the same thing about a book that you liked reading. You can say the same thing about a comic book you liked or a video game. You're never really going to totally, totally, if you're a super fanboy about something, enjoy the movie that's made off of it. What you have to do is they took the the storyline, they took the characters, and they put them into a movie. You have to have the ability, and I am not the most objective person, to remove yourself from the topic and try and enjoy both. This may come as a surprise, but I disagree. (laughs) Shocker. Oh, no. What? Wait, wait. There have been there have been movies that are based off of books okay. that have satisfied the fans, i.e. Harry Potter. Fans ate up Dude, the movies. I don't know about fans that. Fans were yeah. very appreciative. There are definitely sects of the sects of the oh, readers. I was like, where are you going with Sects this? of the readers. No, there are definitely He's sects of the readers. Cupping. I'm cupping. <laughs> sects of the readers who absolutely abhorred the movies because yes. they just totally gutted the books. Oh, well, to those guys you, are sticks in the mud. I'm gutted about, the books. You can still oh. make sure the... So anyone who disagrees with you is no, a no, stick no. in the mud. No, yes. you said the person who picks apart the little things. No, I'm I didn't saying say if it loses, little things. If it loses its essence and adaption to film, I if it loses gutted. its personality, that's yeah, when who, you should get mad at Wait a minute. But who who says, who says... Who gets that call? You've lost your personality now. Who gets to do that? Us, critics. Oh, okay. Us? That is literally the f- consumer. They a consumer gets to receive the product, and if they're a loyal fan of the series, they have some inkling about its personality, its essence. Well, 
can't people? I, I'm not. And that's no. And you talk you about you just have to let it go sometimes and watch the movie because or watch the TV show the and let it. Uncharted happen. was made with a vision. You who's the Who's the lead in this film? Who's the lead? Oh, so this is interesting, actually. This is interesting. Because reportedly, Tom Holland, a.k.a. Spider-Man from Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming. the MCU, is pegged to be Nathan Drake. Drake, yep. You know, when I first heard this, I was like, there's no way. He's way too young to play Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake is like a 30-year-old explorer in the film. But they're going for a prequel type thing, and I feel like Tom Holland would fit perfectly. I do, too. I think it's a good pick. I think he's, he's young. And the part they're including is uh, the ca- the character of Sully, um, which is going to be played by Brian Cranston, which is so badass. Yeah. And Sully's basically this old thief. Salty. And he's salty and he's gritty. Perfect. And he kind of natures Nate from a young age yep. and teaches him the tricks of the trade, how to be a thief, how to be an investigator, how to mm-hmm. be a hero, basically. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Doesn't he remind you of, of Harrison Ford? In Indiana Jones, at about that age. I mean, yeah, Tom, but to you be know? fair, Tom Holland is twenty-one, but he looks like he's sixteen years yeah, he old. Does. That's one thing I worry about, and he looks all of ninety pounds. Yeah, that's true. You don't think he's he could fit the role very well? well Nathan Drake Nathan is Drake known for being a huh? ladies' man. Yeah, it's supremely acrobatic. Oh, gee, isn't that funny? Because uh, dry Tom, cracking. Tom, Tom Holland doesn't think somebody else would fit in the other role. That is true. There's a rumor that Tom Holland is railroading against Brian Cranston being ro- uh, um, cast as How Sully. Dare him! How fucking dare How you, fucking sir? How fucking dare you, sir? Brian Cranston is a fantastic actor. I'm, Watch Breaking Bad. A national treasure. I'm telling you right now, it's just unbelievable. It, we I will just, not stand for this. I have a problem with that because Brian Cranston is a fantastic actor. I, I watched Sneaky Pete. Anybody, yes. anybody? Sneaky Pete is in a show on Amazon streaming. He it's produced, really starred in, and it was fantastic. And of course, none other than Breaking Bad, Walter White. Nothing better. He, and Malcolm in the Middle, he played the dad in the, the BBDs, dad, running uh, around doing a lawn. Come on, man. It's just, there's nothing better but than that. here's the thing. If those who played the game know Sully. And he's this wisecracking old know-it-all. And I'm like, that's Perfect. who Brian Cranston is. Absolutely. He's pretty much well this all-knowing, wisecracking guy. And and he wants Chris Pratt and Jake Gyllenhaal, supposedly? Really? They're not old enough to play Sully. Now, maybe no, maybe they can play Nathan Drake. Yeah, no kidding. When he listed those examples, I was like, those are leading men. Those are not men who play a mentor of the main I, I could see either of those playing Nathan Drake in the actual film. Yeah. Like Especially if, if you not know a anything prequel. about Nathan Drake, the character. Oh, like a, a ladies' man. He looks cracking. like Nathan Drake looks like Chris Pratt. I'm not gonna lie. Straight up, when I heard Does Chris he really? Pratt, mm-hmm. I don't remember when, when I heard that Chris, Tom picture. Holland wanted yeah. Chris Pratt as Sully, oh, I was like, Oh, Tom, you may have sealed your destiny because now I want Chris Pratt cast. Yeah, no kidding. He walks in. I mean, you got the. I mean, you know, he's so good in action movies, like Jurassic World. Are you he kidding? He's really, me? really good. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, we're just showing Matt a picture of Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake is Chris Pratt. I like guess Chris Tom, Pratt. he just he should not be Tom Holland. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if it is a prequel, which seems really interesting to me as a fan, because yeah, they've explored, the video games explored Nathan as an adult and his big climactic adventures. So maybe they're doing kind of a prequel to intro to the series, which yeah. I would really like as a fan, because it doesn't completely throw away the video game's lore. In fact, it works in with it. I just think he shouldn't take a crap. That a being crap said, on, on uh, Brian. Hopefully, Grayson. you guys can hear the paper because I brought along some hopes for the film I'd like to share with you guys, if you would entreat me. 
I feel like you're going to share no matter what. <laughs> Do we have a choice? No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the game is known for its awesome set pieces. You know okay. what I mean? Nathan Drake is running and things are exploding behind yes, him. Yes, I do remember he's seeing He's being it. chased by some giant ball or he's being yes. chased by men with guns. I want to see this in the movie. You have a cinematic opportunity to show some of the coolest moments from the games. Indiana Jones. Historical ruins. Yeah. Historical significance. That national treasure vibe. Yes. I want that in this game. The well, they can't make the treasure. movie without that. Exactly. And I want... <laughs> then it wouldn't be... Nathan Drake, it wouldn't be Uncharted. Uh-oh. Exactly. Uh-oh. And I want to talk about the personality of the writing, and especially Nathan Drake has to be captured, because Nolan North, the voice actor who did Nathan Drake, murdered that role. Yeah, he did. You're going to talk about he brought it full force. He is Nathan Drake in my mind when I hear the voice. Right. It's going to be a little hard to dissociate that when I see Tom Holland, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Same because he's, he's a child. But he needs to come correct. He's playing the child. Yeah. yeah, he needs to come correct with the personality and the wit that Nolan North brought to it, though. The kind of tongue-in-cheek humor and the sharp wit. Because Nathan Drake is a really smart character. Mm-hmm. you know. But he also has that dumb humor where he makes jokes that are corny right. and over-the-top. It does sound like it's ripped from Indiana Jones. It literally it is. is. It, it's a combination. The way the creator described it, he said he took Tomb Raider and mixed it with Indiana Jones. Holy he God. took the thematic elements from Indiana Jones and coupled it with the action from Somebody Tomb paying Lucas Sounds again? Sounds illegal. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> is somebody, we were talking about IP lawyers. Maybe holy crap. I mean, is George Lucas cashing another freaking check now? No, no they, they're not. Because Man. Nathan Drake is a character all on his own. I know, but it's because just... Because Indiana Jones had a father who was prominent. Nathan Drake... Is an orphan. Oh, no, he didn't. He had an absent father who was in search of the of the of the Grail. Yeah, but his father was well respected and an archaeologist. You know what I and mean? And alive. And alive, like well, Nathan Drake was an orphan. Okay. And he was struggling All in the streets right. when Sully found him, which okay. is why I think it'd be a really cool movie. And those are just kind of my hopes and dreams as an Uncharted fan. Yeah. Please don't make me hate this movie. Well, you know, Mark Wahlberg was also considered for the role of Nathan Drake at one time, too. So nah, That's very interesting. No, no thanks. No thanks? Because no I, I would be worried when he starts talking. He's like, we got a park car in the yard. No, just I want him to make another. He starts um, talking about the New England Patriots. I want him to make another Transformers movie. <laughs> it's coming. I want him to be riding a mechanical pterodactyl. <laughs> the next one. It's, it's coming. Honestly, so, I would not be opposed to that. I know you're saying that sarcastically. No, I'm not. I genuinely fuck? want to see a pterodactyl. I'm so serious. <laughs> I want him to be inside of a mechanical pterodactyl. Inside. Riding it. Right. <laughs> inside. I'm smiling ear to ear. All right. So the next part of this podcast is going to be very, very interesting. It's something we haven't done before. We're going to discuss five shocking behind the scenes moments that actually took place on these very, very popular films. <coughs> Rumored. <coughs> Rumored. They fucking happened. <laughs> yeah. We just want to warn you guys, this is rumors, this is conjecture, but it is reported in like Hollywood reporter levels. Yes. You know what you I'm talking You are fake news. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> you, might, you might not be completely believing, but so hey, they're facts. it's there. They're facts. And plus, as cinephiles behind the curtain, absolutely check see it out. Who's operating the machine back there and kind of getting? And the it's interesting work. to see some of the nature of some of the people. Absolutely, heard it here, folks. <laughs> you come here for the news, obviously. That's right. So, number one, we have Mrs. Doubtfire, a classic film. So, Robin Williams visited sex shops while in character. Come on, guys. That's and my it. first thought is, wouldn't you? nobody's gonna know who you are and i guarantee you i guarantee you no one in the sex shop recognized him because he is dressed 
as their normal customer. Could you imagine Robin Williams walking up in a dress, in a wig, slapping down an 18-inch deal, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And shelling out cash for it? I mean, plus, let's let's not mince words. Mrs. Doubtfire is a gilf. Okay. Hashtag gilf. I I got it. There is no doubt. That she does not start a fire within my loins. Okay. But but you remember what town, the town this was filmed in, right? What city? What? So it, nobody blinked an eye. San Francisco. Oh, well, actually, they probably liked that. Yeah. Hey. That's fucked, hey. man. <laughs> That's you want to go into room four? It's back there to your left. You know, nobody really cares. I'm, I'm gonna upset. Say They're I'm blank- so upset. <laughs> and that was a great movie. I love oh, that God. movie. Very Damn. funny, very entertaining. Robin Williams at his showed- best. But a man's got to relax when a man's got to relax. And it showed he's a good sport. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because if you're playing a, a literal, like, cross-dresser in a movie, that's an aggressive role. Well, not only that, he can't get out of makeup because how long does it take to get back in to go back to set and work? Yeah, they had him pretty dolled up in there. Yeah. <laughs> he's all dressed up. Now, our next one is... <clears throat> on a great movie that I truly love and watched over and over again, Groundhog Day. It's a story about Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. We both know them from the original Ghostbusters, and Bill Murray's been in a ton of stuff. And uh, Harold Ramis, they entered their long-time friendship over this movie. You know, and I can see why this like tensions would rise on a movie set. Mm-hmm. You're working long hours... It can almost seem like the same day over and over and yeah, but, over on set. But but here's the scary you know, part. You know... Anyone who wasn't paying attention, that was a clear joke uh, yeah, about the it. plot of the movie. We, we, we let it go. I we're know you we're trying to go past it. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to call out our jokes when they don't work. If now. you explain the joke, it makes it worse and that joke is already bad. Yeah, let's do that. But... <laughs> but... No, okay. So I'm, I'll be a Bill Murray fan no matter what, but... He seems like it'd be really fun to hang out with, you know, unless he's like acting, acting, well, yeah, maybe acting like the guy he did in What About Bob, but apparently Bill's like that guy everyone knows from a frat where he's like really immature and unprofessional and generally fun. But that's what's funny. You're Harold Ramish. You knew him back in Second City. That's a, that's a comedy group all the way back when he was in Chicago days. They were together. You knew he was doing whatever drugs or drinking or hang out rumoredly and he was partying all night and then he'd barely show up he'd still be funny on set he'd show up late he'd show up drunk and he'd been doing that his whole career now you have a great script that you you've written and now you want to get directed and made and you bill's perfect for it literally perfect it's one of his best movies ever you cast him you bring him in now you're his boss do you think this guy's going to suddenly change after all this time? It's not going to happen. But here's the thing. You know what I mean? It, it You run a set how you want to run a set. And regardless of whether he's friend, your friend or not, he should respect that. Because it undermines your authority if you know it's like, all right, guys, we need to run a professional set. Um, by the way, it doesn't matter that Bill gets here two hours late and is hammered every time. We're all professional. <laughs> he's not going like, to change. You can't man. overlook that. He's not going to change. Yeah, it's but not. but it ruined. Does it make it okay? No, it ruined it ruined a, a, a twenty to a thirty year relationship between the two of them. Two guys that came up together in Hollywood. They were famous friends. And here's the here's the here's the part that you know that wrecks their friendship. But here's the sad part. Uh, uh, you know, Harold Ramis developed uh, a terminal illness and became uh, you know staying in with his family and everything. And then when they talked about making Ghostbusters again. 
it's a product that Harold Ramis was a big part of, a producer and writer and everything. And they kept badgering him to have all the guys come back. Well, what Bill Murray did is he took a bullet for him and said that, listen, started making out wildish demands and everything and saying that we're not going to do this, but I want this, I want this, I want this. And everybody held it against him for not getting the Ghostbusters, all the group back together in the band again, and actually kept Harold Ramis's terminal illness quiet until his death. That's really nice. And he, and he stood up and took a bullet at that time because everybody was like, well, you're the jerk off why they won't get back together. When Harold Ramis wasn't wow. really in any condition. All that media pressure coming down with money must have been Do like, you remember that? It was a couple of years ago yeah, before they did must the feet, have been all the him constantly like a nightmare he couldn't wake up. No, because everybody We're living was the same moment in time. Over and over again. Kind of like this Dude. joke. <laughs> Two jokes on the same Two thing. Two jokes. The okay. same joke. Again. Twice. Okay, so we're going to move on to our next topic. I thought that was a real nice touching thing that Bill, Bill was... They was, screwed both of y'all. Bill, Bill was sucking it and then he came back and kind of tried to do the nice thing in the end. Well, here we go on to our next part. Now, the next movie is What About Bob? This was a movie with Richard Dreyfus and Bill Murray where Richard Dreyfus plays this... He was a psychiatrist, no? right? Yeah. And one of his clients, Bob kind of crashes his family vacation and ruins his time. Well, he doesn't crash. He crashes it, but he calls for help. He crashes his life. Yeah, he's a hypochondriac, right, Mace? Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe Bill Murray is actually really difficult to work with, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could see in this film, uh, Bill and Rich clearly do not like each other at all, and they did not have to act one tiny bit because they genuinely did not want anything to do with one another. I'm going to say this right now, though. Richard Dreyfuss seems like the kind of guy who's ripping pillows in half in therapy. Exactly. I wanted to say that, too. He seems super uptight. Richard Dreyfuss probably gets home and, like, cries to his wife about his day. You know, like, he seems like that kind of guy. That's not the vibe I got. Come on, wearing turtlenecks. No, I got the the vibe. He would go home and, like, open up on her and be like, What the fuck? He, a Christian Bale. He pulled Christian Bale. But, but you got to remember the one thing that's really unbelievable to me is, I mean, they're professional enough to get a great movie out. It's a great movie. It's a solid film. You know, I loved it. I've watched it again and again, and I liked it. And it's really funny at the point that they just generally hated the hell out of each other. And then we'll go on to our next one, which is Pulp Fiction. This is pretty funny because everybody had always said that he had written his own script, but people actually made allegations that Quentin Tarantino was accused of stealing material from other people for that movie. Now, here's the thing. And especially you hear this a lot in comedy. All the, all the time. Where people have general conversations yeah. with other content creators, and those conversations end up in the actual finished product. Yeah. I think this is probably one of those cases where it was, a, you know, writers tend to hang out together. Yes. You know, they have parties where they drink and it's a social event. You know and, what I mean? And the scary part is Tarantino is known for having what's called film parties at his house constantly. Exactly. He has a, a live movie theater and he loves to show his movies in 70 millimeter and, and up on a huge screen because he believes, like most filmmakers, that's the way movies are intended to, to be seen. Up so on a big screen. Big screen. So he's got a ton of people over his house all the time. So this guy's sitting here he's, and you know he seems like the guy who likes to talk about things he's thinking about or stuff he'd like to write. But that and implies then, that it was conscious that Tarantino did it. I think no, that it I'm, wasn't I, even conscious. I think, I think he was talking about it and then other people heard him talking no, about it. I mean, then, 
Guys, this is not the first time Tarantino has been accused of stealing films. Really? Yeah, he, he's been accused of stealing scenes in almost every single one of his movies, and he, he's the first to admit it. Uh, and I quote, I steal from every single movie. I, I steal from every single movie I've ever made. If my work has anything, it's that I'm... Um, Okay. Here's He's here. taking from different movies. And I like an that. An homage? It's an homage. Like in a lot of the scenes. And plus, uh, people, it'd be ridiculous to pretend that he wasn't groundbreaking in cinema. Some of his scenes were hallmarks that they still teach in film they, schools. They yeah. teach. They he started said, a whole class. He said that if my work is anything, it's taking this from this and that from that and mixing them together. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. And that, and it was kind of well, like not, not necessarily. If you look, some of the scenes that he says that he took from movies, they're absolutely uncanny. Like this scene from Eight and a Half, a film that uh, debuted in 1963, and this scene from Pulp Fiction, they're identical, and and it happens in many many films. You know. Yeah, but I don't even think that's wrong. You know what I mean? I don't think it's wrong necessarily, but you could look Black Sunday and Kill Bill Volume One, almost identical scenes. It's Gone homage. with the Wind and Django Unchained. I definitely think it's homage just because the films are so old. Yeah. But I think if they were from the same period, don't you think people would be up in arms about it a little bit uh, more? Yeah. Possibly. But you have to think, like, it's kind of like the same way that... God, you just made a really good point for everybody accusing him. I didn't know that. Yeah. He takes, yeah. He's, but he borrows scenes all the time. So that's why I was like, it's not like a... He had sat down and someone was like, oh, you know what? You should put your movie or, oh, this would be a cool yeah, idea. Yeah, well, he was so probably watching it. He was like, if I could recreate that moment within my movies. And, you know, still the super complex plot of his film still exists. He just took certain moments. I mean, there's nothing movies. wrong with pulling inspiration, but to literally have the same, like a male and female subject in the scene, in the exact same position, like in the foreground of a scene doing the exact same actions. Yeah, it's kind of scary crap there, guys. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. I mean, the only thing that makes it okay is that one film is from like the 1940s. They're all and the from other like, one was yeah. made in 2011. Yeah. That just goes back to the whole part of him being uh, a clerk in a video store watching a boatload of freaking movies. Exactly. Just imagine if one of those movies was made in 2010 and he made his film in 2012 oh. and then he borrowed a scene like that. Well, you mean if he was like Lady Gaga? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, exactly. Completely stealing an entire person's identity within Madonna? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. But here's the thing. As someone who's tried to write original stuff, your inspirations completely uh, come to fruition on paper. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think of it as being derivative. I think it as being, you know, like these things uh, made who you are as a creator. The you hardest know, thing to ever do is to get everything, all your thoughts down on a piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, my terrible Groundhog Day jokes not were only, inspired. Not only, not only to get them by... down, but to make them make sense to someone else. You know what I mean? Like, Cameron wrote his joke down on a piece of paper, but when he told it... He couldn't translate. It was shit, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then he told it again. I'm telling you, that would have been a bestseller <laughs> in a 1960s joke book. And that's all I was reading as a kid. I was reading these corny joke books. You're a man after you know. your time. <laughs> you know we need to coin that term hashtag a man after his time i like that but that's simply what he was accused of again and i guess it's okay to do if you take from films from 60 years ago i guess with citation and the last shocking moment behind the scenes unbelievable was on the set of titanic more than a random good time someone spiked the food on set with pcp hey guys jeff brought pcp to the party Hey, you know, I'm not even shocked. That's probably what 
compelled Rose to not let him on the fucking door. Make some room. She's probably out of her mind. She's like, there are bugs all over his face. I can't let him on. I think just formication. I feel like there are bugs in my, in my pores. Or to hang onto the stone and then throw it over the railing 60 years later. Yeah, yeah know, hey right? man. That Pawn was, that, that was shit. a sapphire PCP size of my eyes. Flashback, you freaking whack. Hold on to it. But, but there's no way that should happen. Yeah, and criminal no criminal charges were probably definitely filed. I don't know. Bitch, you at 110 pounds. Scoot over and let me on that door. Door, yeah. Should let him die. Yeah, fuck the shocking moment of PCP in the food. Let him on the damn door. Should let him die. That's fucked. Well, Think about that. What are you going to do? You know, Just go belly At least back. in Romeo and Juliet, they had uh, romantic consistency. Yeah, because there's enough poison on her lips to kill her with a kiss. No, one was a knife, one was a kiss. Yeah. I mean, one was a knife, one was poison. Yeah, with a kiss, right? Like yeah. The, no. She drank it, and then it was on her lips, and then she kissed. And then no, dead. he no, drank no, no, the no. poison, and she stabbed herself. Yes, that is actually true. Thank you for confirming he what I knew. Got, so what happened in Romeo <laughs> and Juliet is she takes an apothecary's potion to seem dead. Yes, she took Romeo a sleep potion. Romeo goes to her, sees that she is dead. Yeah, takes a pose, takes poison. Takes a potion of poison himself. Real poison. Actually dies. She wakes up, sees a knife, stabs herself. After seeing herself. him dead. What a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. What Mason had in his mind was the adaptation of that in the movie Hot Fuzz with Simon Pegg, in which there is poison on her lips. Oh, yes. That's a deep cut oh, from that's Can't so Sleep, true. Sleep. Yeah. That's so true. I love that freaking movie. Watch that movie like 18 times. Yeah, hash, just let him on the door. Let's just let him on the door. Hey, Rose. And, and we'll move on. Next, we're going to get... This is a news in, in, in the movie scene and TV scene. And we haven't gotten enough into this whole show. Uh, Game of Thrones. A show we've not G-O-T. talked about extensively. It is obviously the biggest show on television right now. Yeah. Breaking records with budget and viewership. I well, mean, think about firstly, this. Firstly, let's just say congratulations to Kit Harington and Leslie Rose. Exactly. Kit Harrington and Leslie Rose, known on Game of Thrones as their characters, Jon Snow and Egret. Egret. The Wildling. And, you know, their their love affair actually started on set. Really? And there's actually, you know, this is actually, I think it's a Cancel Won't Sleep exclusive, right? Yeah. I'm just denying to our producers. It seems like there was a hot mic on set when they were doing their first love scene that actually led to their real romantic affair. And I think we'll play that for you now. Can we, can we do that? Yeah, I'll fire it up. Hello, John. I have been thinking of this moment for some time. Does the carpet match the drapes, you silly bastard? Fuck me like the wildling I am. Ah, 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 ah. Wow. That's an interesting way for an affair to start, huh? Yeah. God but damn you know, Leslie Rose. Yeah. <laughs> but thank God. Sounds animatronic. <laughs> yeah, kind of robotic chemistry. Yeah. I don't know. I appreciate women are that flat and that forward. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I kind of like that. Say too. what you want. Take mean charge. It. Take charge. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> All I can say is... Hey, hey, look at me. That was your best joke. <laughs> Actually made me pause. All I, I can say is... I bet I bet on honeymoon night, Leslie Rose will be saying, show me how the lords in the south kiss their ladies. Okay. That's a line in the show! Okay. Are you guys serious? We're okay. like, it's the cave scene and she's like... Is what? that how the lords is, kiss their ladies Is there an echo south? in that cave? Down south. Yeah, because she's a wildling. Oh. <laughs> okay. So Game of Thrones, Thrones. season 8. $15 million per episode. <laughs> reported. That's right. It was supposed to be 8 episodes for the final season. 
season eight. But the rumor is now it's 15 million per episode. So what's happening? They're going to do less episodes. Well, here's the problem with that. Everybody already complained that the end of last season, they tried to jam too much in. The last they were two going so fast. fast. My friend who's read the books told me that, you know, they they took their time through five seasons. Seasons, yeah. No, six seasons. Yeah. And then in the seventh season, they put foot to the pedal and they went through two books. Yeah. In one season, and then well, and that's you know what causes it. It's money. It's about money. They don't want to. They're not getting the money return. Well, Payson on last last year, I think it was eight eight to ten million per episode, and now we're at fifteen million per episode. You'd rather spend two hundred million dollars. You'd yeah. rather spend two hundred million dollars out there and go out and take the movie out and make a billion worldwide than spend. 90 million for HBO, and I'm sorry, man, they ain't gonna make it back. I agree, man. Like, but here's the thing they didn't want, I also think they didn't want what I call the lost effect. Lost made all these promises to its viewers, it made all these promises that things were all gonna be explained in the end. Oh. And then you had the writer strike and everything, and the show dragged on for so long, and so the anticipation kept building. Oh God! And by the end of it, it was such a tremendous letdown. Whereas if they would have ended it by season five, maybe it would have been a pretty good show. No, I agree with you completely. There's no way they can make this money back. You know, I mean, it's a TV show. And and plus, when you build up that much anticipation over six seasons, you risk letting people down. I guarantee you, over half the people that watch the show anyway watch it illegally. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Not what us. What do you think? Not us. Hey, we Cam. have HBO Go. Cam, what do you think, man? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. It's your turn to talk now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you can go. <laughs> hey, give me your opinion. Honestly, I think Game of Thrones could be profitable. No, I think that. You know, <laughs> I think that it's a really good show, and I think. It could be that, extremely no, profitable I for think, more seasons to come. No, I but think I they're like going to they make some to, movies. <laughs> I feel like they have to start fulfilling some of the promises they made to their fan base. That's all I'm saying. And that's why they have to increase the pace. They also need to finish this bitch. Otherwise, HBO is going to be hemorrhaging <laughs> money for years to come. No, it's done. It's done. It'll be done. They're going to go on to a movie. By the way, I just want to say this right now. Team Jamie. We were team Jamie, Jamie Lannister, we're really? Team Jamie, right? Fuck no, dude. Speak for All right, I will actually speak for myself. You then. really think Jamie? I, Cameron. Lannister? M Team Jamie. To the King uh, of the North. Oh, not that he's going to win the Game of Thrones. Oh. Just that uh, he's my favorite character. I'm supporting him right now. I'm still a Tyrion, Jon Snow. To the King of the North. And, I, and what's the other girl's name who's. Uh, the Mother of Dragons. No, Lord of. Uh, Flies. No. Oh, you're talking about Bear Island? Uh, un, 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 unnamed. Unsolid. No, oh, Arya Stark. Many faced Arya Stark. Thank you. <laughs> You know, you just gonna keep naming people. You wonder what's funny Face though. You're like, you want to know who one of my favorite Skin characters is? And I what's her name? I couldn't what's do it. Name? I couldn't do it. One of my favorite characters. It. And what was her name again? Wow. All right. So we're gonna go on now. We're going back. What was it again? Back to Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Rumor has it he was offered to do a Star Trek movie, and I would have loved to have seen it. Tarantino would have had the craziest, the most balls trippy Star Trek movie of all time. <laughs> and what happened? <laughs> and I he think- couldn't do the movie. Couldn't do the movie because guess what? He is already 
has another film in the works and there's a script already written. It is all about Helter Skelter and Sharon Tate and Charlie Manson, the murders in August of 69. And he's going to do one of those horrible, horrible movies that we love. I'm really looking forward to that though. Because you want to find ape shit concept. I'd rather see the Helter Skelter movie. But also, you know, I kind of want to see him. Fanboy. Tarantino has yet to explore sci-fi. I will say that, and I would really like to see him do. And something. he's admittedly said openly that he would love to try it. I mean, then how about this? He does the Helter Skelter film, and then regroups with them in say five years. Star Trek will be around forever. Oh, come on, like but when is that fandom going away? It's, no, it's, it's not. never. But but he's already has already penned a script. He's already talking about uh, Margot Robbie or Jennifer Lawrence to play Sharon Tate. Oh shit! Yeah, two great actresses. I think they're good picks. And Brad Pitt, which he's done work on before. Yeah, work on before with the Glorious Bastards. Uh, for the prosecutor, there's a famous prosecutor in the in the Charles Manson movies. I'd actually love to see that. You know, Tarantino always does a really good job of casting these films. You know I, I think I mean? it'd be With great. With John Travolta and Samuel Jackson and Pulp Fiction, Tim Roth and Reservoir Dogs. No, I'm, I'm not even naming the other like. Yeah, there's so many people. In murderer's Row of Actor. He he has just fantastic, just amazing. But Jamie Fox in Django. You want to talk about a breakout performance of a career? Yeah. That movie was carried by the dentist. Nikolai, what's, what's his, his name? name? Christopher Walshton. It's super Austrian. That's all I yeah. know. And he's amazing. He plays the dentist. And Django, those two guys carried that movie. Yeah, it's it's a very, very good movie. Very entertaining. And once again, he's... Christoph kind of, Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Thank you, Mace. And that's supposed to be due out. I don't know when there's a projected release date, but... And the script's done, and he's going to start casting. I think we got a bit of Netflix news, right? Yes. There is a new animated series coming out called Big Mouth. It is an animated series about kids going through puberty, how they're dealing with that, how they're coping with new relationships and friendships being formed. And I really think it's an interesting show for Netflix to do. Because it seems like they're doing an adult cartoon about tween years, which we have not gotten yet as adults. Teenage years. And I think it would be super relatable because we all went through those really awkward years where you're, you're trying to decide when to start using deodorant. Yeah, I think that's really cool because all the main characters seem to be children. And yeah. like you said, we really don't get a lot of shows like that that are geared toward uh, like adults. Well, you know who's producing it. Who's the creator? Uh, Andrew Goldberg of The Goldberg Show. Oh, oh he's really funny. Yeah. So that's what it's basically. It's going to be on Kroll uh, and Goldberg on their teenage years and what they went through. And it's going to be put on Netflix. Streaming was supposed to be dropped the 29th. So it should be available by now for you to watch. It's going to be between nine to ten episodes. Oh, wow, shit. that's good. I like that Netflix is doing the ten episode plan. You know what I mean? It, it allows them to focus on... 10 ideas and develop them through the series. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It's been really good for Ozark and a lot of the other shows on Netflix. Disjointed was a new sitcom they had out there. I know. I really want to watch that. Yeah. Which to, the review is incoming. One. We're going to be checking it out. He, and Chuck Lorre is developing it or has developed it. Very Big interesting. Now, this is the news I'm more excited for, right? The Punisher drops October 13th and yes. I cannot freaking wait. Man, 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 man. It looks Can so we, good. News hot off the press. Yes. John 
Berenthal. Berenthal. John Berenthal. 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 Yes. I always mispronounce. I always Berenthal. call him Berenthal. Berenthal. But John Berenthal's Punisher. We, you know, him and love him. Have you me. seen the trailer? Oh yes. Oh my God. That thematic trailer It's is... one of the best trailers we've ever seen. And if you guys follow us on Twitter, at CSWS Podcast, you guys would know how much we love that. Because we tweeted it, like, what, how many times? Two? Four. Four, four. times? Four <laughs> fucking times. And some of my favorite four episodes times. of Daredevil Season 2 were the Punisher episodes. Yes. I think those were my favorite, actually, yeah. of Season 2. You know, when we don't have any more Wilson Fisk? Yep. And you have the Punisher talking about one penny, two penny. Yep. I thought it was fantastic. Three bags whole? Like, are you kidding me? That Just, was amazing. Uh, and we got a great. teaser at the Frank Castle backstory, which is so sad yeah. and so tragic. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a great character. And I'm ready to see many, many people die from many, many bullets in that show. It's going to be so sweet. And that's what he does best. He's Body like, count. yeah. He's okay, like a one gritty of the other things, raccoon. Did we one tell of, the date? Did we drop the date? Yes. Yeah, October 13th. Okay, I want to make Can't sure everybody knows. Wait. October 13th. October 13th, everybody. Stay tuned for The Punisher. All right, this is another thing I'm really, really excited for. Look, Jamie Lee Curtis coming back for another Halloween reboot. All right? Yes. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Here's my thing. Didn't she die in H2O? Yeah, she did. Hey, it doesn't make sense, man. Because I made a question. But. Oh, it's a reboot, isn't it? And not only that. Remember, she faked her death before. And yes. four and five. Didn't she fall to her death? Or like, well, that's no. H2O. That's where she's grabbing on the banister and she says, I see, I'll see you in hell. I'll see you in hell. And, and she, she slips. Yeah, okay. That's H2O. That comes after but four I'm and five. I'm telling you, four and five, there's actually a picture and they talk about Laurie Strode, Jamie Curse, dying in a car crash where she, she actually hit her death to avoid Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And the same thing could have been happening again. Of course, I'm holding on to all hope and that's what I want, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis, he, she's so iconic in that role, man. The original screaming woman is Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, I'm not talking about that old painting with the curvy man, the screaming man. Have you guys seen that painting? Yeah, I think everybody has. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis embodied that for me as a kid, you know, screaming, yes. terror, but smart. From Halloween. Not, not like the bimbos we see in Texas Chainsaw Massacre or tripping over their high heels. Jamie Lee Curtis was more of an action lady. And kind of. She, was she didn't want to go down without a fight. Exactly. Which I feel like we a lot of horror movies missed out on, especially the slashers in the 90s and 2000s, where it just became gore fests. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm okay with seeing another Michael Myers. Aren't you guys? Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll watch another Halloween yeah. movie anytime. I just I can't wait to find out. Rob Zombies. Yeah, I was just about to say, I can't wait yeah. to find out more about it so I know who's directing it. I know who's yeah. writing it. I know who wrote the screenplay. That yeah. way I can really no word out on that gauge yet. how it's going to go. We did get a, a, a timer release. It's supposed to be October of 2018. Yeah. So I'm assuming, yeah. yeah. That's so what Halloween they're saying. Time. Yep. I'm just saying, hopefully it's not someone who is a poor man's Marilyn Manson. Rob Zombie. Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people love his horror takes. He has some good songs too. He does gritty stuff, and a lot of people. You are know, they're not unwatchable. Big fans of his movies. Yeah, the, his horror movies aren't unwatchable. They're just crazy. It's very and they're gritty. a complete departure from like the old films. Well, it's something new. It's a reboot. He took his view on it and put it out there. I can respect that. And I'm telling you, he's got a hardcore following with that horror. He really, really does. So, and that kind of wraps up that whole story. I mean, this has been a really interesting podcast. We've covered a wide range of topics from what happened to Hulu down to shocking events in cinema, uh, Game of Thrones romance, 
and all it's ultimately ending at our favorite genre horror. horror. Yep, back to Halloween. That's what I'm talking Remember, about. Remember, if you guys want to tell uh, talk about anything we talked about in the show, hit us down in the comments below. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're on YouTube. Hashtag I love you, YouTube babies. I'm just gonna hashtag everything I, I say in the next podcast. Hashtag. But if you want, speaking of hashtags, if you want to connect through us through social media, hit us up at CSWS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We boast the most active Twitter for a multimedia podcast. Check it out, people. If you want to listen to us on the go, we are on the go now. We can bless your ears while you're working out on the treadmill. <laughs> Deep breaths at bucketofwind.podbean.com. That is bucketofwind.podbean.com. There it is. Uh, I just really enjoyed this one, guys. It yep. was a wide range of stuff. Uh, it uh, was a a bouillabaisse of topics. I knew you were going to say bouillabaisse. <laughs> I knew it. And I was like, he's going to say bouillabaisse. <laughs> it's un- it's I inevitable. Felt it. I felt it. <laughs> As always, this has been Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. I've been Cameron. Mason. And I'm Matt. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.